Going through a divorce is daunting and can make you feel financially vulnerable. Ampla Finance can help. Unlike other loans, there's no need for any ongoing monthly repayments. You're only charged loan interest on the amount of money used to pay your solicitor's fees as your case progresses, and the easy-to-use online tool keeps you in full control throughout the process. Your loan is normally repaid in full when you reach settlement, so between now and then, you have peace of mind that the cost of your divorce won't impact your day-to-day -day needs. Ampla Finance puts you at the heart of everything they do and can help you to make the fresh start you're looking for. To find out more, click the link in the podcast description or visit www.amplifinance.com. In today's episode, I'm joined by a fabulous money coach who particularly concentrates on working with couples. We're going to talk about how to talk about money in couples. You might have come out of a bad relationship, out of a divorce, where you weren't the person who looked after the money and you found divorce even more stressful and even more fearful as a result of that. We don't want that to happen in your next relationship. So Sarah's going to talk to us all about how to avoid that, how to talk about money in your new relationship. So let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Smart Divorce Podcast. I'm so happy to be joined by the incredible, colourful and fabulous Sarah Maxwell. Um, so to introduce Sarah to you, she works with people supporting them to find joy in connecting to their money, which I love, injecting some colour, energies and joy into what can sometimes feel like the grey clouds of money. And um, you'll see from Sarah's lovely talk if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're not, go and have a look on YouTube. And her bright coloured heart in the background, <laughs> she is one of the brightest people that I know. If you have a look at her Instagram page, it will absolutely make you smile every day. Um, Sarah is a financial coaching trainer, twice certified and ICFPCC accredited. She has over 20 years experience in financial services where she picked up her financial advice qualifications. She founded The Wealth Coach and co-founded Couples Talk Money with friend of the podcast, Kim Crew. Sarah, welcome. I'm so happy to have you talking to us today. Oh, thank you. What a beautiful introduction. I think I might cry. <laughs> Don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy to be here as well. And I've been, I've been listening to the podcast and I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the no nonsense way people talk about money and other really important things. And I think it's really, really helpful. So I'm so pleased that you invited me to be on here. I'm really grateful. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about couples talking about money. And this is something that I know is really close to both of our hearts. So just as a, as a bit of background and a bit of introduction as to why I thought it was important to talk to you today um, was that the majority of clients that I work with in, in my work as a, as a specialist financial planner, the majority of my clients haven't been the money person in the relationship. And when I say that, what I mean is that the majority of, the majority of relationships you've split the jobs according to whatever happens to be the thing that you're best at. So in my marriage, my husband, I've said this many times before, my husband used to do the gardening and I used to clean the house. I flipping hate gardening unless it's growing something that I can eat at the end. And I realise that sounds a bit bonkers, but that's just me. So 
so when we split up, one of the first things I did was get a gardener to come and do the gardening. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with splitting up the jobs according to who does what best. But when it comes to money, it's slightly different in that both of you need to know where you stand. I'm right in thinking that you're on board with that view. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much that couples don't know about each other when it comes to money. I've even worked with couples that have been together 20, 25 years and still in our sessions, they're finding out really important things about each other's views about money, about each other's relationship about money, about, you know, how their sort of parents or caregivers interacted with them and kind of what why that's kind of caused some of the idiosyncrasies that they may have now. Um so it's just kind of that that almost that information gathering as to what has happened to that person in front of you to kind of bring them to the person that they are today and being able to kind of have some form of understanding of that absolutely money is so difficult to talk to talk about isn't it in in the uk and i can't talk for what it's like in other other cultures and other countries but certainly in the uk we're so bad at talking about money i know groups of friends who'd rather sit and tell me graphic details of their sex life rather than tell me what they earn or what's in their bank account. And um, we really need to smash through that so, so that we can get people talking about money because you're only going to learn about it if you talk about it with your friends and it's only going to start seeming normal and natural if we start talking about it, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's getting comfortable with starting to talk about it. So we might not go straight in with, oh, this is how much I earn and this is these are the benefits <laughs> that I receive at work, but we might go in with, oh, you know, when I think about money, I feel quite stressed. You know, just going in on something that you feel comfortable with, with trusted friends, I think, at first, because you don't want to put yourself off by telling somebody that's then going to kind of take the mic and share what you've said and and kind of put you off talking about it. But it's so powerful to be able to say the things that are on your mind to somebody who's then not going to judge you and not going to react in the way that you're nervous about them reacting. I've had situations where people have told me what they deem to be the worst possible secret and they've been holding it as real shame, you know, something awful that happened to them in the past, perhaps around debt or something like that. And when I then don't react and I say, okay, that's you know, there's nothing to be to feel any shame about. The the relief that kind of seems to happen to that person is quite unbelievable. It's almost like they suddenly sit taller in the chair. You know, there's suddenly yeah. this weight is lifted because they've said this thing that they've been really holding on to and nothing bad happened. You know, the world didn't fall apart. <laughs> it was it was okay to say it out loud. And I think the more we get comfortable and get used to being able to say those things, the less kind of shame that we will hold around it and the less judgment we'll hold of others if we all start to share a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely right. So I guess um, what we're talking about is people who are coming and perhaps come out of of a relationship, they've been through divorce, they're looking at getting involved in a new relationship, but Money wasn't the thing that they looked after in their previous relationship. They might have started to understand a little bit more about money from perhaps working with somebody like me through their divorce. 
but then they enter a new relationship. So presumably on the first date, you're not going to share your financial world with somebody. So where do you start to begin to open up with, with a new partner about money? Do you know, it's interesting you say that on the first date, because I think there are things that you can talk about on the first date that relate to money that allow you to open up about it as a subject. So you're right, you know, you're probably not going to want to share all of your information, but you might want to have the conversation before you even go out on the date of, you know, what are our thoughts on bill splits? in what are you know you might want to kind of drop that type of thing into into the conversation so that you're kind of starting to talk about money before even the day you know you can you can slip in little bits of information about just small things relating to money how you feel about it what's going on for you at the moment it doesn't necessarily have to be sharing reams and reams of information but I think you can go in and start to have little snippets of of the conversation so I guess on on the first date probably the only thing that you're concerned about is kind of where are you going is it affordable (laughs) you know things like that and um, not having those expectations that one person will pay or, or one person won't or if you do have that expectation sharing it yeah yeah do you know what that's really interesting that you should say that because I don't think even that I don't think we have the conversation before we're there I remember a friend of mine who's been through a divorce going on a date and saying that the person that she was on the date with had kind of gone all right so it's x amount each and she was a bit like oh because <laughs> she kind of thought she kind of thought he would pay and she was a bit sort of felt like knocked over by it but I suppose it's quite an old-fashioned expectation that you expect the other person to pay isn't it but yeah yeah, she was a bit bold a bit shocked when it was like oh no what's but bill um yeah absolutely or you've got that that idea of when you go on a date and you know somebody orders all the really expensive wine and 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 everything and you've not had the discussion about are we going to split this or because you're ordering all of this expensive stuff are you thinking that you're going to pay for it and I think it's moments like that where having those conversations will really make a difference like throughout your relationship so almost being able to voice what's going on in your head I think can make it easier down the line because what you don't say in those first few dates, you then almost hold on to as, oh God, does this mean I'm tight? Or you put lay all these labels on yourself instead of just saying it out loud, saying out loud what's what's going on in your head or, you know, dropping a text afterwards or, you know, whatever it looks like. But I think trying to drop these types of things into conversations early doors and maybe asking questions like, you know, oh, what was it like in in your home life? You know, asking questions like that will naturally kind of pull out people's experiences and how they've lived before now. And I think you're always kind of picking up snippets, aren't you, of little bits of information and, you know, don't be afraid to, I think you can say, you know, if I ask you a question and you feel uncomfortable about it, then you can absolutely tell me that you feel uncomfortable about it and we cannot talk about it so I think as long as you open up in that way so you know I'm going to ask you a question which people don't normally ask each other but if that's too much for you just just tell me you know I tend to be quite open and honest therefore you know just let me know if that's too much for you 
um yeah in any and way say so that about other things wouldn't you would yeah. you would say you know if i don't know if you're asking about somebody's family background or previous dating history or whatever you'd be like you know if you don't want to talk about it it's not a problem and yet yeah <laughs> yeah you sort of say say the question and you're like <gasps> you know sort of stalling and and waiting for i don't know what's happened your chair to fall through the floor or something <laughs> like that it's like it's just such an and then i think that then adds a layer doesn't it to the question of the other person going god you look so uncomfortable asking that question that <laughs> I, it's almost making me not want to answer <laughs> yeah oh absolutely absolutely so you don't necessarily work with people on date one <laughs> I guess no you're... I've never had anyone on date one that would be interesting <laughs> we're about to go on a first it. date can we come and work with you <laughs> be fascinating though eh anyway if anyone's going to go on a first date and they'd like to go work with Sarah <laughs> please do let us know because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really interested in that so so tell me about you you've got obviously um couples talk money with with kim lovely 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 kim tell us a little bit more about how that works and how that can help couples to to start to be a bit more open about their finances and their relationship yeah absolutely so before i tell you about couples talk money i was just going to say because you asked a question before which related to kind of somebody going into a, a new relationship relationship and perhaps taking some of the baggage from the old relationship and it could be that even before you come and do work together as a couple that actually you do a bit of work on your own so almost getting yourself to a point where you understand your own relationship to money you kind of understand where you're at practically with money you have an understanding of what you might want for the future just yourself and then come together and and do the work as a couple because I think in those very early days understanding as much as possible about yourself and how you might have changed from that separation and going into this new relationship and what you might be carrying through that you don't really want to carry through and I think that's quite important because you don't want to bring all that baggage and just sort of hand it to the new person you want to try to work through that baggage and make it a bit lighter before walking into this to this uh, new relationship so I just wanted to say that because you you kind of mentioned about a couple coming together after um after a after a divorce or after a separation no it's good advice that because um money impacts so many parts of our lives because I think that we have this view of money and we see the you know, when, when we talk about money, all I see in my head is like treasure chests, like big stacks of gold coins, people counting. Do you know what I mean? Like it's quite um, it's quite an old-fashioned view, I guess, it, but it's sort of the nursery rhyme type um, view of, of money. And that money is a tool at the end of the day, but it because it's the tool that helps you to do other things, actually you're view of it and your previous experiences with it and your baggage as you called it around money um, really impacts can impact all all sorts of other parts of your relationship so it it is massively important to to deal with it um initially so I think that's that's fantastic advice. Brill so 
tell tell us a little bit about once you are in in a relationship got past the first date we've got past the going dutch on the first meal (laughs) 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 then then what do we do then where do we go so I think that it really is opening up. It's starting to communicate. It's starting to kind of ask the questions. And something that we um, do on the course is we have a, a welcome session. And in that welcome session, we're basically guiding people to start to have communication with each other about forming an agreement between themselves about things like when is best for them to speak about money, how they like to be asked questions, like what would potentially trigger them. So it's almost having that pre-conversation of creating that agreement of, you know, how how would I tell if something that I ask you upsets you? Or, you know, would you please be honest with me if the way that I ask you something triggers you? Or kind of all those types of questions, because almost Almost before you even go in and start asking the practical questions or the questions around relationship to money, it's great to put that in place of like, why are we actually doing this? So almost you're creating this empowering statement of, you know, the reason that we're doing this work together and finding out more about each other's money and relationship to money is because we want to build this fantastic life together or is because we've both decided that someday we'd like to go and retire in Ibiza or whatever the kind of vision is for you know that's what I want to do yeah (laughs) that's one of mine but I think it's kind of that it's that pre-conversation it's that lovely conversation that helps you to understand how to communicate really well with your partner so what they like and what they don't like so when they want to be given space how much time they'd like to think about a question because there'll be some people who are asked a question and they can come up with a the answer immediately you know it just springs to mind and they're happy to say it there'll be other people where when asked a question they want to think about it for 24 hours they you know it's a big question and and they want to really consider their response they don't want to give an immediate response and things like that it's just so helpful to understand that you know because if one person wants to know more about what they're going to talk about when they sit and have this couple's date it would be great if the other person could almost provide a list of questions that they'd like to know the answer to so that they are able to prepare beforehand. So it's kind of almost learning each other's styles before you even go in and have the communication, because what you're doing then is you're kind of setting up for a way more positive discussion um, yeah. And then maybe agreeing to, OK, parts of this conversation might feel difficult because we're talking about things that we've never talked about before. So we're going to give ourselves a treat of something at the end of it. So we're going to go to the cinema in the evening once we've had this conversation, you know, so really building up what would amazing look like for this initial conversation. So I think starting really small, st- starting that way. So starting with something that feels easy would be kind of my advice as a first step and that's the way we like to do things with our couples and that's the way I like to work when I'm working one-to-one with a couple so you're kind of easing in gently rather than going in and saying so what's the total sum value of all your debts and uh, you know have you missed any payments and somebody would immediately go oh my god I'm holding all this shame about debt I can't tell you and then you start to think god do I need to lie because they're asking me such a big question so 
yeah, my kind of initial advice would be let's go in as soft as possible and talk about how we want to communicate with each other and put some agreements around that first. I think that's always a really great step. I love that, but I have some questions. <laughs> Apart from, can I come and visit you in the beefy when you retire out there? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know how long it would take me to think about the answer to a question because I think it would depend how difficult it the question was and sometimes so in my my work as a financial planner I know that I can't personally ask myself the questions that I would ask of my clients because I'm not going to push myself to answer them I'm not going to dig deeper and try and get to the crux of the actual question and the actual answer so I think so how how do you know? How are you going to know what's going to trigger you? How do you, do you have a style, a technique that these couples who are speaking to each other about what might trigger them about me? How how do they know? So they that. would, yeah, that's a really, really great question. And it, that might not be something that's on their list because the two of them might feel that they communicate really easily with each other and they don't really have any trigger points but the types of things that I've seen and heard before are what would trigger me is if I'm just about to leave the house and you ask me a really big important question about money or you ask me to decide something in a short space of time or um, you ask me something whilst I'm driving and I feel as though I can't concentrate it's kind of what can come out usually is you know ways that it's best not to speak to me or ways that I would kind of really like you to ask me questions and sometimes the triggers could be around you know I'm going to find it difficult to talk about the debt that happened in my past because it was a, a really difficult time in my life so if that's something that if, if debt's something that we're going to talk about could you give me a bit of time and could we go quite slowly so could you let me tell you instead of asking questions or it could be anything it could be absolutely anything you know it could be um if you ask me about how my parents or caregivers dealt with money that's going to feel difficult because I, I don't feel like I had an, an amazing home life so that's not really something that I want to talk about so it's just really kind of sharing okay this this is like a a bit of a no-go area or an area that we really need to tread lightly because I find it difficult talking about it. Um, and, you know, the way that we ask questions. So I guess we, I'm very much taught in, co in the coaching world that you wouldn't ask somebody, well, why did you do that? You know, the why did you do that is almost <laughs> like you're, you're assuming, okay, you did that wrong. Why did you choose that option? You might say something like, oh, what was your thought process there? And you can feel the difference between those two questions, because when I say, why did you do that? You go, oh, she's questioning me. She's judging me. So I think sometimes it's even just sharing, OK, these are words that we're not going to use. I feel really judged yeah. when you say whatever word to me or when you laugh at me about the fact that I'm a spender or whatever. Like there could be so much that that comes up in that what will trigger me question um, that really helps to keep the heat out of out of the date or out of the talk, what, whatever you want to yeah. call it. That Y word is a, is 
feels very accusatory, doesn't it? It's like you've done, I'm asking why, why on earth would you think that was a good idea? It, it's a bit like as soon as you said why to me, I, like, I backed away from the, from the yeah. screen and it's, is it? So it's a really difficult word. And there are, I think I might be talking rubbish and please message me on Instagram if I am. But <laughs> I've got a feeling that in Wales they use why in a slightly different way. And in, I'm sure in Ireland they do. We did some training in Ireland a few years ago. And we were like, yeah, try not to use the word why. And I've got a feeling they use it in a slightly softer way and a slightly different way to perhaps the way that we do in England. But it is a, yeah. it is a tricky word. I think um, I was just kind of thinking about things like that that might sort of trigger me or that might set that might be things that I would find different. I'm I'm not very good at spending on myself, so I guess mm-hmm. that if we were having a conversation about anything that I'd spent, you know, that whole thing, and this is quite a seventies thing, that whole oh this old thing. Now I've had it for years. Yeah, like. I've never done that. I've never said that because that feels not quite right. But I I get that because I find it really difficult to spend money on me, whereas I find it dead easy to spend money on my kids, like no problem there whatsoever. And I think those sorts of conversations can be difficult around, around spending money on you because we are all entitled to spend money on ourselves as well as as well as on kids and stuff. So I'm thinking that might be something. But obviously, you know, everybody's got got their own thing. And I love that you just found that. I love that you've just, (laughs) listening to that, you've just thought, oh, actually, it might be a trigger for me if my partner said to me, well, why did you buy that? You know, so you can share that. You can say, look, I find it incredibly different to, to difficult to spend on my own joy. You know, you're probably going to have to support me to make sure that mm-hmm. I am having this allowance and that I do spend on myself. And you might have to be a little bit careful around questioning me around it. And that's brilliant because that will really support you to spend more on, on your joy or to at least spend what you've kind of decided you'd like to spend yeah. on your joy more freely. Um, so it's a brilliant example. Yeah. Um, So what we're, I guess we kind of jumped in and talked about money dates and we sort of didn't set up what (laughs) what a money date is. So can we sort of, I guess we're moving forward because we've kind of discussed in the couple what might trigger us, what we need to take slowly, what subjects we need to be careful around when we're talking about it. But what is a money date? How often should we have them? What's important to, in the process of actually setting that up? Yeah, they're all really good questions. So in our programme, we set up that the couple has a couple's date every two weeks. Um, so we do that because we have a live session, then they have a couple's date in between, then we have a live session, a couple's date, then we have a live session, and then they have three weeks of couples dates together so they're pulling three couples dates quite closely together just really to get them um, used to and encourage them for knowing kind of the real power of having these couples dates and and the information that it helps to draw out of each other and, and how good that is for the kind of future success of how they talk about money and how they feel about money which is really important so we then say at the end of the programme that it would be great if you could at least try to have a couples date once a month maybe 
be for the first year and then you might push it out to once a quarter after that. But the benefit we think of having it at least once a month is that you're then just able to reflect on the last month whilst you can still remember it. Because what's tricky about having couples dates really sporadically is you can just forget, you know, why and what you've done and, you know, what what was behind a decision that you made because it was three months ago. So I think as regular as you can manage and even if that's a really short couple's date, so even if that's 15 or 20 minutes, focusing on the top three urgent things from your last couple's date. So really the regularity is more important than the length because you just want to really remain quite focused on having some sort of check-in and communication. And if you have to have a super short one, 10 or 15 minutes, then you might decide, okay, next month, we're going to book a full hour into both of our calendars and we're going to make sure this happens and this is what we're going to commit to covering. So it's just so beneficial to have that point in time that's already in your calendar where you know you're going to talk about these important things because then there'll be things in the month that you can save until your money date, you know, non-urgent stuff you can save, which is which is really good. Or if if something got a little bit difficult, so if you were having a tricky conversation you might say can we save this couple's can we save this conversation for our money date is there a way that we can talk about it that takes the heat out of it so it can be really good just to schedule them in so you can start to communicate and there isn't anything that the couple's date has to contain but we think that it's really useful to go into a couple's date with some form of desired agenda so, you know, what would we really love to get out of this and why are we doing it? So almost having that intention going into it um, and then always having that little treat at the end. So, you know, if you're having a, a, a couple's money day every month, the treat could be something quite small. It could be like a bar of chocolate or any, you know, anything that kind of lands the end of the meeting on something which feels really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, we always think is a, is a good idea. And it, it tends to work well for for the couples that we with. I like that. That's fantastic. What sorts of things? I know there's not a set agenda each each time, um, and I like the idea that it's monthly and and that it's prioritised as well. That it goes in the calendar, and it's not don't like trash it for boys' night out or yeah. theatre trip or something that kids need to do, like. Once it's in the diary, like make it, make it important, make it a priority. Because as soon as you stop and like go, oh, we'll just do it next month, then yes. it'll it'll stop, and that that will be really hard to get back into. It's like stopping going to the gym, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but what things? What things would you advocate covering in money dates? Whether it's not whether it's not necessarily everyone, but the sorts of things that that. Um, couples should be discussing so the six couples dates that we have in the program we they're quite specific so we send out worksheets for the couples to kind of work through together in those six couples dates to get them used to the idea of having a couples date so our first one is around what I said to you before around the agreement of how we communicate with each yeah. other and that's really all that's discussed in in that couple's money date um our second one is kind of a series of questions around relationship to money where that came from 
learning more about each other's relationship and just trying to understand each other better. Um, and then we move into a date around practicalities. So they'll start to kind of put pen on paper about where everything is, how they you know, where the money sits right now, how they spend on a monthly basis. And there's kind of lots of help and support with that. And then in the, the three sessions between three and four, we do lots on vision for the future. So it's starting to think in an ideal world, like, you know, in however many years time, like people pick totally different time frames, but, you know, in an ideal world in five years time, this is what perfect would look like for me. And then the other person will say, in an ideal world, in five years' time, this is what it looked like for me. So you start then to have those conversations in those dates around, okay, I know that's really important for you. That's not very important for me. So how do we agree on the compromise? Because there's always going to be compromise because, you know, two people are never going to want exactly the same thing. So there's some really powerful conversations that happen in those three dates because it's all around what would I really want and how do we compromise together and make sure that it feels fair when we're looking at goals and, and visions for the future. So those sessions are actually quite exciting because we've got the practicalities out of the way. We've got a better understanding of, of each other and the way that we communicate with each other and now we're working on the exciting stuff of you know what are we looking to create from doing this work what's our intention what would we love to happen and that's where the conversations start to happen around you know in how many years would I like to be moving to Ibiza or all those types of types of conversations which are just so powerful because in a couple you don't tend to have those conversations very often yes you might sort of say oh, I'd love to do this at some point in the future but it's kind of a passing comment instead of no this is really what I would dream of making happen so it's that ability to really communicate on what matters to both of you for the future um so yeah there's kind of three dates that really wrap around all of that um and people are then able to get clear on okay what does the compromise look like what's our next step and then our final couple's date is all around okay let's think about the next six months yeah. let's be quite keen about what the next six couples dates might need to look like you know what do we want this list to look like what would we love to achieve so I think you could follow that format if you wanted to obviously I'd love you to come on the program but you could follow that type of format in couples dates without being on a program you know you could you could do that with each other and you could ask each other a series of questions um around these subjects um without having the the sessions with us i think having your help and support and and, and knowing how um excellent you are at coaching people i think <laughs> anybody listening to this would be like oh i think we might need the uh <laughs> program rather than do it ourselves but it it's fascinating and, and fantastic because the idea i think when i you know when we first mention money dates people they're a bit like oh that's still right have a look at the bank account and the values of the pensions and the values that you know what the house is worth and how much is that spending on mortgage it's like oh and especially somebody who's not really interested in money not really looked after money before that just sounds dull as dishwater the idea of sitting around the table with the person you love and figuring out what you want to do with your future and how you would like your money to to 
create this ideal life for you. That sounds quite a lot more exciting, doesn't it? That's absolutely, yeah. totally agree with you. That's that's absolutely what we should be what we should be talking about. Because if you know what you want to do and where you want to go, then you can start working out how you can get your money to help you to get to the to Ibiza in retirement or. Definitely. Yeah. And it makes you way more mindful about how you're spending money now, because if you create this agreement where you both agree that, yep, okay, we want to move to Ibiza in retirement, you're way less likely to spend money really frivolously now if you've got this vision for the future. Whereas if you have no vision for the future, you don't have that type of communication, you're possibly just going to be kind of sailing through life without necessarily thinking about the future. And when we talk about money, it doesn't always need to be, oh, God, you know, how much am I going to need in retirement to live? And whilst all of that is really important, actually adding on dreams and aspirations to that just makes it a bit more exciting. And that's the other reason why we make that commitment early on about, okay, why are we doing this? you know what's the actual reason that we're coming together to do this work is it to improve our communication because you know we want a better future what it what is the reason for for both of us and you know committing to that is is a really big part of the process I feel no I think you're absolutely right so when you um when you run the course how many people are on the course are you are people going to be discussing their their views and opinions on money in a big group because I'm guessing that's going to feel a bit overwhelming to some people. Yeah, absolutely. So we take a maximum of 10 couples through the programme and what we do is as we're in the live sessions, when there's something for them to discuss between the two of them, we create breakout rooms for all of the couples. So they go away and they have their conversations about their own personal stuff privately and separately. And they can raise their hands if they want Kim or I to nip into the room with them. So obviously, I know you've had Kim on the podcast before and people can go and listen to that pod if if, if they want to. But Kim is a is a couples therapist um, and she's also a money coach, but she's absolutely incredible at kind of setting up a space to have a non-heated conversation so the kind of advice that that she gives out around the couple's dates and around how to communicate with each other is always incredible and when she goes into a room to work with a couple she's absolutely brilliant at kind of helping them to to resolve whatever it is that's kind of heated in that moment so we love working together because we've got such such different kind of background and experience Um, and that really kind of supports the couples really well so when they come out of those rooms we do give a couple of minutes in case anybody feels they'd like to share and sometimes I mean people tend to because it's quite a small group people do tend to become quite comfortable in talking to each other and you know potentially even communicating outside of the group and if people have got things they'd like to share because they think it would benefit others or they want to share it because they want to almost release any shame that they've carried about it so they want to kind of say it out to people then they do and they can but there's no expectation so we wouldn't go around the room and say okay you know (laughs) 
what about you kind of thing it's just kind of <laughs> if and when people feel like sharing but the majority of the work is done privately so we get them to um join the zoom session separately so they're not sitting next to each other they're sitting in different rooms of the house which okay. really helps with that concentration of listening to somebody and speaking to somebody because they're on a a screen instead of sitting next to you so there's no it's like in the naughty ones in the class fidgeting between (laughs) each other or writing each other notes you know we're we're getting everybody's attention all the time which which you know we feel works really well and and seems to seems to work really well for the for the couples on the program as well I like that That, that's fantastic um I can't believe it but we are coming to the end of our (laughs) about time together is there anything that you want to add or that you um, feel that I should have asked you that I haven't no I've loved all your questions um <laughs> yeah I've really enjoyed it and that time has just completely flown um I suppose all that's left to say is that our next program is live so the first session is on the 21st of September so I know that you'll put in show notes the website and the link and, and all that type of thing um and hopefully we'll have some seats left by the time the podcast goes live but if not we we will you know we run these programs quite regularly so if you have a look on on the couples talk money website you'll be able to find more information or or book to join us for this one and also kim and i do work separately and one-to-one with couples so if you feel as though you'd like to work kind of outside of the program and and one-to-one then then both of us do do work one-to-one so feel free to look me up on wealth coach and um and came up on her uh link from the last pod perfect and do look Sarah up on instagram because uh her instagram posts are so beautiful and they properly make me smile every day because they're very very colorful they put me in a good mood oh that's lovely thank you (laughs) thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today and we will see you soon hi and i hope you enjoyed that episode of the smart divorce podcast if you would like to get in touch please have a look in the show notes for our details or go onto the website www.smartdivorce.co.uk also if you are listening on apple podcasts or on spotify and you wouldn't mind leaving us a lovely five-star review that would be fantastic i know that lots of our listeners are finding this is incredibly helpful in their journey through separation divorce and dissolving a civil partnership also if you would like some further support we do have a facebook group now it's called separation divorce and dissolution uk Uh, please do go on to facebook search up the group and we'd be delighted to have you join us Um, the one thing i would say is do please answer their membership questions Okay, have a great day and take care.